welcome from Amsterdam, and thanks for tuning in to a new episode of Game Consultant. Your host of today is Reinout. It is Sunday, August the 9th, and welcome to Game Consultant. This week, it was an interesting week. First of all, here in Europe, we got a heat wave, lots of people complaining, but hey, soon it will be dark and rainy, so cheer up. It was also the week of Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, who actually is attacking TikTok, its operation in the US. We don't know yet what is the outcome of it, but I got a few people that contacted me and said, what are your thoughts about it? I only have one thought. There was this one line that I actually read. And President Donald Trump is concerned, concerned of army people that are using TikTok. And that data could actually fall in the wrong hands. Well, define good hands. In any case, I was also thinking about Tencent. Tencent, who is shareholder in a dozens of gaming companies. Gaming companies with really solid hits. Hits that are actually hitting the US and hitting the US Army. So what about that data? Anyways, my thoughts. Uh, this week we have Gaming Malta, uh, Malta and Gaming as I call it. Uh, Ivan is explaining to me how the government of Malta is trying to build up a gaming ecosystem and is also attracting gaming companies and not sec gaming companies uh, to have your headquarters there, but it could also be divisions. Think about customer care, think about development, etc., etc. But we also talk about the strategic position of Malta throughout history and how actually Malta could be the entrance for the Middle East, the MENA region. And to that said, I have an interview with Tim of Tomatum, uh, the episode after this. So quite nice. Next to that, I have the second part of um, my interview with Ethan, Ethan Reisel of vgames, vgames.vc. I always have to get used to it, but I, I like the name, vgames.vc. Um, it's a new gaming fund, and I was lucky to already get in touch with a few people that were asking, hey, what is an interesting gaming fund? Well, there you go, vgames and Ethan. So that's the second part. Um, but let's first start with Ivan, Gaming Malta. Um, here we go. So for a lot of years, I'm actually going on a holiday and it's going to be to Malta. Fun place, sunny, sometimes a little bit too hot for a Dutchman. But um, I've come to learn uh, a lot about Malta, but also gaming in Malta. And um, yeah, obviously, a lot of people do know the country itself has a lot of things to do with gambling. But there is more diversity coming to the islands. Today, I'm talking to Ivan, and Ivan is responsible for Gaming Malta Foundation. Hello, Ivan. Hey, 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 Reinhard, and thank you for inviting me on the podcast. Yeah, you're very much welcome. It's, uh, it's our third uh, try, because <laughs> we got sort of a sound through it. I thought you were in a helicopter, and you thought like I was on a Concorder <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, well, first of all, uh, if you can give me a little bit of a background about you and, and right away jump into it, Gaming yeah. Malta Foundation. Okay, so yeah, so basically um, I run a 
non-profit foundation, which is Gaming Malta, which basically is a foundation set up by government and, um, and uh, by the Malta Gaming Authority. Just a bit of info about myself. Um, uh, I never worked in gaming uh, prior to this, um, but I had always had marketing roles. I was head of marketing for a brewery, you know, best job in the world you can ever get. Uh, I ran an advertising agency and I always had, you know, I, I was always in a, in a marketing role. And then this, this, you know, job came up about four years ago to run uh, the Gaming Malta Foundation, which I said is a non-profit foundation set up by Malta Gaming Authority to promote Malta as a center of excellence. Yeah. So basically, we have a very clear North Star. Uh, we promote Malta's home of gaming excellence. And the idea of why it's home, because, you know, friends feel comfortable at home, families feel comfortable at home. If there are issues one can discuss, one can find solutions. And, you know, we really try and provide that, you know, to the broader uh, gaming ecosystem within the island. Yeah, nice. Uh, and also, right, as you referred to initially, yes, we are... Also, an iGaming jurisdiction. I mean, iGaming, iGaming accounts for thirteen percent of GDP, yeah. with about seven thousand people working in that sector here. But what we what we established to do is uh, we started looking at the wider view of gaming, and this is where our video gaming and esports strategy came to fore about two years ago and you know we embarked on a journey basically which which we love and we which we do with mission Resil, i would say reynolds so so we're we're very very um you know we're very i would say ambitious in a good way in the sector yeah i love it how you say malta i say malta and you say malta <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, the rest of the story was also very good, but uh, <laughs> I was actually thinking, like, you say it's a very nice, it makes me really like, okay, I, I feel invited, Malta. <laughs> Welcome to Malta. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um, so if, if, um, if you can explain a bit like, okay, so what is it that you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Are you attracting gaming companies? Are you going out there um, telling about Malta? Yeah, obviously you talk about Malta, but... What would, for example, if, if a CEO is listening or a chief financial or whatever, a studio in general, um, what makes it interesting? Okay, so basically, as Gaming Motor, we would be the first port of call, okay, for any video game uh, or esports organization to to come to Malta. So let me then just give you some, some background to this. So basically, we've been tasked, so we are part of government, so we are a government entity. And as a government entity, we fall under the Ministry of Finance and the Junior Parliamentary Secretary for the Digital Economy and Financial Services, uh, which includes blockchain, artificial intelligence, VR, etc. So essentially, the ministry responsible for the digital economy. Now, uh, two years ago, we, as I said, set on a mission on the video gaming front. We so the gaming motor wrote and the spearheading the strategy for the growth of video gaming and esports on the island. And so we work essentially with the government stakeholders and uh, also with, uh, you know, with the gaming ecosystem to produce a product which, which would attract 
studios, uh, studios to Bolta, including very much on the educational front also, but maybe that's something that we can talk about uh, yeah. later also. Um, so really, essentially, that's what to do. Once they speak to us, then we will connect, you know, with all the right people and with all the right public entities, you know, facilitating uh, the move towards Malta. Yeah. And... Um... Is, is, is there any fiscal advantage, for example? Because we know that Ireland had that, uh, well, even Holland is doing such, uh, Luxembourg. Um, is, yeah. is that in the same uh, same way with, with Malta? Yes, yes. So, so basically, so basically, well, there are, yes, uh, fiscal and tax advantage also. It's not something that we go and harp about because because we believe that, you know, the ecosystem is, is, is you know, isn't just made up from the you know fiscal incentives, but yes, there's, there's a very attractive attractive you know corporate tax rate in Malta. Also, for people working in the video gaming sector, there's also um, an attractive rate when it comes to income tax for for people earning uh, fifty five thousand plus uh, on their which is even less than than that. So 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 you know we're creating all these fiscal measures, which I would say. They are in the silver bullet, though, Reinhard. I, I, I would say it will be, you know, the sum of all the parts yeah. there, which will which will make it attractive. It's icing uh, on the cake. Yeah, well, that's that's icing on the cake uh, purely, and and I feel very strongly about that. So what we're what we're doing is we we want to build a video game and esports ecosystem. When we talk about an ecosystem, is having the right companies here, having the right consultants, the right uh, legal advisors, the right corporate advisors, you know, underpinned by a very strong educational uh, background when it comes to video gaming sector also. Yep. You know, so, so we want to establish that. Yep. Are we there yet? Um, we're moving towards that. Um, you know, it's we are still. I very humbly would say, you know, whilst in iGaming we will be seen as the Silicon Valley for the iGaming sector, the video gaming sector. I always say that that I always make the difference between when we started in iGaming back in 2004. It was Blue Ocean Strategy for Malta. Yeah. We joined the EU. You know, we're the first country to regulate iGaming, etc. When it comes to video gaming, we're very much still. Uh, red ocean strategy so basically you know there are other, other jurisdictions who are you know right enough maybe more advanced than we are but i think we're making we're making headway and we're making progress um yeah. cons- you know considering we took part in gamescom first time was two years ago yeah. um you know now now we've seen an increase in numbers also in in companies operating from here it's a young ecosystem you know so basically you're, you're looking around about just over 200 full-time equivalents here yeah Okay, working in video gaming, you're looking at plus or minus 15 to 18 companies right now, which is growing, which you're looking from AAA studios like 4A Games. Um, yeah. You know, you're looking at, uh, at uh, you know, uh, companies who are, I would say, uh, advanced startup. Uh, people like NARC who moved over from, from Iceland uh, into Malta and they set up a location here. Yeah. Um, um, you know, for companies from Tunisia, uh, companies from the UK like Exient. Um, um, you know, they have uh, they have the Sony IP for Lemmings and the Ang- Angry Birds on on um, uh, on mobile. Uh, so, so, so there are a number of interesting of interesting companies uh, operating. Play Magic from Italy currently also moving to larger studios here, employing around about four to five people. 
Um, so, so it's quite interesting. I mean, considering the size, um, you know, there's quite a mix, I would say. Quite yeah. a mix. And what really gives me pleasure, I know, that this is, you know, beyond, uh, you know, this way beyond fiscal intensity, is the community really looks out for each other and they help each other. Yeah. You know, and they feel comfortable living here. They feel comfortable talking to us on any issues, you know, which they might have. And we try as much as possible, you know, to provide at least to be the catalyst for those solutions. Yeah. And so yeah. we're basically, we are, we are on a mission, right? You know, we're, we're, uh, we're still on a mission. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because, um, well, funny, uh, a friend of mine, Pascal Clarisse, uh, I also put him in contact uh, with people in Malta. He has a company, Big Karma. And um, it's all about um, uh, action heroes to overcome disability to win. Uh, yeah. That comes from his his personal background. He's very, very uh, into this. And uh, he's also now uh, in touch uh, to have his company from Colombia actually located in, uh, in Malta. Yeah. So nice. And, and that's something. So we're talking about serious games here, right? Serious, yeah. serious, serious games. Um, that is something where I feel that Malta, we can take, you know, uh, it could be the stage for, for you know, for you know, for the sector. We're currently, recently, we took part in the Games for Change uh, Festival in New, in New York. Yeah. Okay, obviously it was, it was a virtual event. And we were, it's amazing, you know, when you see, you know, uh, you know, the serious games um, and channels and opportunities that there are, yeah. where games are used for education, games, games are used for, for health reasons, etc. Yeah. And and I must say, I mean, hats off to them also because it was it was a super eye opening uh, eye opening experience um, um, for for us. Yeah. Also. And you know, this is something actually today. The Times of Malta is actually running a story about us, um, you know, taking part in this festival because it's really getting a lot of traction around, you know. And and we are we are we are the ones who promote that conversation. Yeah. Um. So. You know, you, there are a lot of a lot of these things going on right now. Yeah, you um, actually, I was looking at, looking at a, a demo day at uh, at Hypes, uh, Hypes Esports, yeah. the, yeah. the aggregator incubator, and um, you mentioned something like there will be an esports location environment. You're developing something on the island. Yeah. Okay. So let me just give you some background to that. Um, we when. We, so when we talk about esports, uh, there's already an esports ecosystem here. Okay, yeah. so we have people like World Pro Racing who are getting a lot of international uh, recognition for virtual car sim racing. Yeah. Uh, people like Gamers.com who who you know who started off from college and now run a fully fledged esports organization here. Uh, Level Academy, for example, who are who are very much involved also on the educational front of esports. We now have the American University of Malta also pro um, giving out, or rather promoting scholarships also uh, when it comes to esports and esports athletes. Yeah. And also one of Malta's largest entertainment uh, groups, uh, Eden. Uh, so, so they own the Intercontinental Hotel and and an indoor arena and cinemas, etc. Also investing in their own um, esports company. So it's Eden Esports. So, so we started off there from a good base. What we needed also for Malta was to have a lighthouse brand, basically here, an international recognition. 
And actually, it was a conversation I had with, uh, which led me to meet at, um, another guy from Holland. So a Dutch guy called Yap uh, Visser, who's actually the managing director of ASL and yeah. Benelux. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I know. So that led us to signing an MOU with ESL. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, memorandum of understanding. And we're working towards, you know, a partnership whereby uh, it isn't just about ESL having events here in Malta, uh, but also in helping to build, you know, the ecosystem, the, the you know, kind of the uh, local heroes and the zero to hero, um, yeah. you know, all this philosophy around around esports and also the educational part. So, so, so I think that was a very important step for us also. It was unfortunate, Reina, that that the ESL Pro League uh, season eleven was about to happen in Malta. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think it was March sixteenth when when I had to make probably one of my most difficult calls yeah. and calling Yap and telling him because all the teams were um, in Frankfurt Airport waiting to board the plane to come to Malta, and the airport closed the same day by midnight. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunate, you know, and 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 all that, you know, because of COVID, and uh, you know, two years of work basically, you know, went up, <laughs> went up in the air. But yeah. nonetheless, I mean, the fact that, uh, and this was really, this is really interesting, you know, the fact that it still happened online, yeah. and we all know the numbers they had, you know, still had, you know, record-breaking numbers uh, for that season, showed also, you know, the resilience and you know of the esports industry. And that, you know, probably people who wouldn't stay at home to watch an eSports final, they stayed at home and watched an eSports final. Yeah. You know, so and in all of that, Malta, you know, gained a lot of, you know, very good coverage there. Yeah. Um, so we're going to building. What we're doing is that looking at by next year, we are building a 700 square meter incubator space for video gaming and eSports startups. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're we're you know very good f also fans uh, of the, the Dutch uh, Game Garden also. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I always I, I always have to be careful of how to say that because it normally comes out as the Dutch beer no, garden. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's they drink beer there. <laughs> uh, but J but JP there is doing is doing a great job, a tremendous yeah. job. Yeah. And I That's had the true. opportunity to visit that. Yes, passionate and very. Uh, and doing it in a, in a in a good way and a proper way, yeah. you know, and hats and hats off to them. So we're building this this video game and esports incubator space, which will hopefully help companies, you know, building around the ecosystem, also with, you know, with uh, educational channels of how to run businesses, you know, getting uh, speakers to talk there, etc. Within there, there's going to be a 250 seated capacity uh, conference area which we're planning also to use for small um, uh, esports events also. Yeah. You know, so I think the next three to five years should be very interesting in that regard. Yeah. Hey, and um, you, for example, in Holland, we, we do have uh, what well, is called the RVO, uh, that's, that's supporting uh, entrepreneurs in, in, in Finland. It's called uh, Business Finland. It used to be Tekes. 
Uh, is Malta government also doing something with, um, I show up, I basically say, hey, I have a few angel investors, I've collected or gathered 500k. Does Malta then say, hey, we can also give a sort of a, a grant or a loan or whatever you call it? Yes. So, um, you know, that is something which we're actively looking at. We're looking at that's very much work in progress. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, probably I would say that was one of the most difficult things to do because it's, you know, investing in video games. It's, I always say it's like the music or the film business, right? You, mm -hmm. you get, you know, you always have uh, your hit and misses. Yeah. And uh, we have to be, you know, we have to be responsible of the fact that ultimately we're dealing with, pub, with you know, public uh, finances here. Yeah. And, you know, we have to make sure that, that everything is done in the most correct way possible. And uh, you know, having you know, having something which ultimately shows you know that 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 you know business is being generated through, yeah. through this. But but yes, 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 that is something I can I can I can say that we're actively looking at. Uh, we're surrounding by you know uh, great people who are helping us. People like Dan uh, Licari, which I'm I'm sure you know, yeah. uh, who's helping us on that front. And you know to. It's incredible when when we started launching the strategy, uh, we you know so many people were living already in Malta uh, who used to work in the video gaming sector. It was incredible. Yeah. Uh, who wouldn't know? Uh, either they kind of semi-retired here, or you know they run their business from here, and, you know from you know to the European uh, within within other European jurisdictions, and people who have reached out genuinely because you know they've kind of. You know, people f uh, fall in love with the island. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, generally they want to really help. They want to really help and, uh, you know, make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can relate to that. I love the island. So that was the first part of the interview with Ivan, Gaming Malta. And actually the second part is really interesting. But as said, I think it's better to do it in, in two pieces. Otherwise it gets too long. Um, as said, link is also to Ivan's LinkedIn and to the website of gamingmalta.org. So if you're interested, if you are considering of relocating either your division, your headquarters or whatsoever, then reach out to Ivan or send me an email and I'll put you in contact with him. Uh, next up is Ethan. Ethan Reisel with vgames.vc, a new kid on the block when it comes to funding for games. So we pick up on the second part with Ethan, V Games, and it's all about games and funding. Let's do this. Um, Funny story to that. <clears throat> um, uh, during my spiel games time, we were looking at a, at a, at a German site, and it, it was called Spielaffe, it means uh, Play Ape, uh, give it a name. And uh, that, that site did really well. So they have youngsters playing, let's say, anything between 6 and 12 years old. And their top 10 was actually uh, filled with Korean games. <laughs> and, um, and I checked out these games and they had no German, no English, no whatsoever. They were actually Korean languages. Um, and I think the intuitive way how they developed the, the, the artwork made it for kids enjoyable. So they knew where to click on and just play the game uh, without understanding any text which they, they saw on the screen. And um, I think that that's the most important part. Like you sort of get sucked into a game 
intuitively. I mean, yeah, obviously we can read when it's English or your local language and then you click on it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's the I, color. I it's more. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to what I said, right? If you have people stuck to your game and they enjoy it and they want to come back and play, you know, you'll find the way to monetize them. If you're going to look for the way to monetize them and <laughs> you don't make sure that they come back, one, you're going to, you know, find yourself paying endless amount of money to buying these users and, you know, you're going to have to continue buying them as long as the life cycle of the game exists until, right, 100%. Like, you really have to fight for people to, there's so much noise out there. Um, you know, I don't know if we're going to cover the pandemic a little bit and what happened to playtime, etc. but I think, you know, it's a good testimonial. If you have people enjoying your game, everything else will come in place. Um, well, let's let's talk about the pandemic. I mean, um, uh, I've said it many times. Uh, um, Microsoft came out with their Xbox years ago and said, like, yeah, we're going to be the entertainment center in the living room. We all had to laugh and say, like, yeah, right. Um, it took a pandemic, uh, a corona, a COVID uh, to make that statement actually uh, become sort of reality because... Um, yeah, obviously people have been stuck uh, in their homes um, with the families, uh, closer, um, uh, homeschooling. Uh, yeah, obviously homeschooling needed to be also become a bit of fun. Uh, they needed to, yeah, right. kids needed to do something else. And then you yeah. say like, okay, so go play a game. But you, you, as parents, I think you had more insights about what your, your kids were actually doing, either on, on the console or on the mobile. And yeah, we've seen things go up like uh, uh, playtime, we've seen streaming, we've seen people search for new content. I mean, if you look at the top tens in YouTube, that yeah. suddenly began to change, not the usual suspects, but different kind of, I, I don't know where I saw it, but I, I was it Twitch or I think it was Twitch. And, and you saw actually the, the most uh, watched channels on Twitch were actually from Portuguese, so most likely Brazil, uh, some French, it's actually languages or people from countries that you wouldn't expect to be in the top 10. Top ten. You, you basically would expect Asians, Americans, whatever. Um, so it means people are now really searching for content, but also they are feeling comfortable to search. They feel comfortable to view. They feel comfortable to play. So what, 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 what thoughts do you have? I mean, uh, what have you seen? So I think... I think I agree with everything you said, and let me I'll emphasize my uh, my point of view. I think that yeah. the pandemic taught us two things. I think one, in terms of the world of games, it probably fast forward us, you know, two to three years in terms of consumption. But for sure, games is here to stay, and I think it is the biggest source of entertainment today. And you know what? I think it's also an important player because it makes people happy, and 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 it's important as you know I say all the time, also to my portfolio companies and. Co-investor, I think we're privileged, right? We're in, in crazy times in the world and we're really privileged and we have to remember that we're privileged, um, you know, to be able to build and, and fuel content that at the end of the day, people enjoy and love and they come back to it, et cetera. I think the second part is, and I actually had a very interesting talk with one of the CEOs of the, one of the largest publishers today. Um, I think one of the biggest things that came out or still are coming out is, and you saw it in growth and playtime. Actually, you know, if you look at the total numbers, then mobile is still leading, but growth, PC and consoles did grow more than um, in mobile. And it just shows you how today the content is king and the platforms are commodity. What do I mean? People want to play. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> he actually said they'll play on their toaster. I totally agree with that, right? They'll play wherever. Just give them good con content and make sure that they can play and they can move on with the game, right? Don't yeah. don't stick them to one platform because then you're just giving them the wrong content experience. Forget about the platform experience, right? And I think that's something that the big tech companies will have to digest, right? Um, the isolation will start breaking down a little bit. Um, and I think we are starting to see um, movements in that place, right? Different consoles talking to each other, different VR and AR sets talking to each other. But I think, yeah, my, my observation is, you know, it's, today we ask where are you going to invest mobile, you know, consoles, PC, et cetera. I think that's going to blend. And content is really king. Like we want to build games that people can just enjoy. If you're at home, why not use a larger, you know, larger screen, you know, lay back. You don't have to sit with a, I don't know, whatever inch you have on your mobile phone and enjoy the content. While you're commuting, you can enjoy the same content on a smaller screen and maybe with more limited stuff that you can do physically. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I think that's my number one um, observation. And of course, the fact that games is, you know, it's, it's I, I really think that games is only starting. I think we're going to see education pouring into this. Yeah. We've actually been approached lately by many healthcare startups are looking for this angle as well right again because once there's humor and there's entertainment in it i think it's easier to serve it to the to the crowd yeah yeah obviously uh educational gaming and when you make it more entertaining it it, it turns out that they digest the, the the learnings much better than than yeah boring books or whatsoever yeah. i mean um but <clears throat> you said something very interesting so console pc they're actually rising again uh, all these years we've seen actually decline that's basically what they were saying mobile wasn't growing fast enough to uh, pick up the decline of console um but obviously uh, ours felt like yeah uh, console uh Games were getting free. You, you didn't have to pay for it anymore. And the ones that you still had to pay for, they were not expensive, not as expensive anymore. But I think also important to that, um, love to get to pick your brains on it, the, the cross-platform. I mean, um, you can now develop a game that can be played on mobile, uh, PC and, and, and console. I mean, that is sort of coming to the party right now too, right? Totally, totally. You know, again, I think... When you're a young developer and you're just starting and you know you're you're starting and you're kicking off your new studio and you have this amazing game and you're working on it, I think today still the platforms are difficult to say I want to be on everything from day one. Yeah. And I think it's a different economy and it's a different monetization and it's a different marketing technique, etc. Yeah. But for sure, if you look at building a game and getting it out there versus building another one or taking this first game and, you know, making sure your content is served in many places. You know, I don't know if there's right or wrong, but of course that has to be a consideration in every, you know, every, every game and for every developer. I think, you know, Unity is a good example. Unity, I think today with, a, it's never a button, but it's almost a button and you can be on Amazon, why not, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not, uh, you know, if you're on Android and iOS, yeah, why not be on Amazon, right? Kindles is survive. I think Amazon are putting a lot of efforts into their store. It's another screen. If people have, you know, their devices, amazing. You know, Nintendo is now uh, the new rising star, right? I, I actually bought my wife one for the 
for her last birthday. I don't know if it was a present for myself or for her, but it was good. Um, <laughs> She's yeah. not using it. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, like kids are enjoying it most, but uh, yeah. you know, we all uh, we all play a Super Mario and compete with each other. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I I totally. Um, I think the world of consoles is, is going to really migrate into, you know, and I think, let me say one more thing here. When you come to a developer, and I actually saw this, you know, even taking on Google's hat for a second, you tell them, okay, Google is coming out with Stadia, come build a game for our platform. The first thing the developer will say is one funded for us, because, you know, with all the respect to you, we're not going to fund it. We don't know how to monetize. And two, the second question will be, how are we going to monetize this game, right? If you're going to invest now endless amount of resources, how are you going to make money? And, you know, and that's a big question because you're coming out with a new platform. It's still not a commodity. You're, you're limited in the amount of people that are enjoying it. And then it is a chicken and egg, but it's not a chicken and egg. The content will win, right? Yeah. The platforms want to be popular. They have to have good content on their platforms. Actually, another thing we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of these tech companies starting to buy studios that we actually analyzed this. There were like more than two or $3 billion last year invested yeah. or a stuff that happened by the tech giants of buying content players. Um, and, and I think all this will drill down to a much more open world of, you know, building content and really easing, you know, I'd say easing down the path of being on as many platforms as possible. Um, yes, it is something that the developers have to think more of. I think today you see, very naturally, we're mobile developers. We only focus on mobile. We'll build Android, iOS, you know, and that's where we'll play, at least on the Western side of the world. Um, I think that's going to change. I think yep. we're going to see big companies really or dramatically change on that front. Let's go back to um, um, if, if developers are approaching you. I mean, how does the process look like? Um, you, you, you basically uh, send an email. You receive it. Um, what would you ideally like to receive initially from from a game developer? Yeah, so you know, we just uh, I'll share here, uh, you know, my, my private experience. So we just yeah. uh, went public with the fund, and there was beautiful PR and really great coverage. And again, really being, uh, you know, I think I think uh, the coverage that we got is not because we're we're very uh, unique. I hope we are unique, but I think it's really it was a necessity in our market. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, then I got, uh, I actually, I, I, I just checked, I have 1,200 uh, yeah. LinkedIn messages. And, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Really, I'm that, that's why I'm asking the question. Um, <laughs> and then, like, there's yeah. a game fund. Oh, where? What is his email yeah, address? Yeah, oh, uh, info, 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 games. Exactly. <laughs> <Don't you see? laughs> actually, I actually counted part of my, uh, you know, uh, co-investor and said, why didn't you tell me this? No, but, uh, but I, you know, that's part of our job. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying it's cynical, but it really is part of our job, you know, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, we are financial investors, right? There has to be a good outcome to my investors, right? I think it's part of the, and I think that's also part of how the mechanism should work, because that means that we're putting our money behind teams that can really build um, big companies. Um, so we're very easy here. There's, a, we have our website, there's a contact form. I do ask companies that want to talk to me um, and there are, there's going to be another, uh, team member joining uh, soon so we can really um, meet more and more companies. Yes, to send investment decks. I think an investment deck is, um, and I'm actually going to set a blog post of what I think investment decks and game companies should look like, um, you know, especially if you have metrics and initial metrics and, you know, you can show them to us. I think that will br bring us much more prepared 
the conversation. But in general, I think an investment deck really, really swaps between a, you know, a team that's passionate about building something really cool to a team team that really wants to build a company and you know they want to get funded and you know it has to make you think about what your budget is, how your growth strategy is, even if it's initial, right? I'm happy to work with them, but it will give me a little perspective or initial perspective on how they look at things. Um, but besides that, you know, it may take us time, but we're really going to try to meet as many as possible. I must tell you, I learn from every meeting. Um, I try to give a piece of advice carefully because I think sometimes as investors, we're taking too seriously. Um, you know, so only my perspective, I wouldn't even call it advice. Um, but yeah, and, and we're here to, you know, we're putting our money behind our words. The fund is active. I said it's, we did our closing at the end of March and we're soon going to have five investments, you know, in four months we did five investments. So I think, uh, you know, we're here to invest. We're not here just to talk about it. Yeah. And, and um, sort of a, a time frame. I mean, uh, if I send an, an email today, Let's say it takes a week for you to go through it. Uh, um, and, and, well, I'll respond. Well, we'll respond in 48 hours, not more than that. Yeah. Um, meeting may take a little bit longer, really depending on the materials, right? Because we do prioritize based on, you know, what we get and how interesting we think it is for us as investors. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I'll send you a link and you can schedule time and we'll spend some time together. We'll start with a 30 minute or a 45 minute introduction call and, If we see that there's a, you know, good karma in place and a mutual interest, then we'll find a way to follow on with that. Yeah. Between interest and investments, it can take us two weeks. We're, you know, very fast. Yeah. And and uh, in terms of lead, um, how should people look at you? Are, are you taking the lead? And will you then say like, hey, we love to see some angels around it? from uh, the local area? For example, if you are in Poland and, and it's 500k, would you say, okay, we can do 300, 400k and, and raise the rest with um, uh, some, some smart guys that uh, are aware in your territory that are close to you or? Yeah, I think that I think that's a very, very important question and, and I'm really happy you're asking. So one, I'm always happy to co-invest. Um, I only co-invest with people that believe in games. I think that investors... Sorry, that understand games. That's a better word. Yeah. Um, I think investing with amazing investors that less understand this space, which is a content, you know, winning, fast speed drive space that's not for everybody. I think it's important, especially in the early days. Um, you want people that can not only add value, but understand that there needs to be patience um, in the world of games because it is a content play, right? Yeah. And, uh, You're producing a game. Um, yeah, so in Israel, we're happy to lead. We're happy to do anything abroad as well. In markets that I, even in terms of, you know, uh, corporate governance and stuff like that, I may prefer doing a co-investment or joining, you know, and letting other investors who are more aware of the tax rules and, you know, anything that's uh, surrounding that, you know, to make sure that they cover the right points. This is where we are today. It may change in a year or two, right? After we do some deals and we're more acquainted with other markets. I can tell you that in specific markets, actually in Poland specifically, we're already building that capability where we can lead and do rounds ourselves as well. And we're not waiting for specific opportunities because I think that, again, if you want to put um, 
you know, money behind your words, you have to make sure that you have the right infrastructure. So an, an example, we have LPs in the fund from Poland yeah. who are supporting us with this effort. Um, and I think that's important as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so for uh, last question, for 2020, uh, you basically said you want to close uh, uh, three, four, five more. Um, do you specifically, well, no, let me rephrase the question. Uh, any platform that you're looking at at this moment uh, more specific? I mean, I think when you, what you said, I mean, in Israel, you definitely have the mobile side of things covered. But um, is there any platform that right now would make you really happy if, if you would get a, a pitch deck? Uh, yeah, I'm really of doing the AAA investment. Yeah. Um, at least one by the end of this year. Um, we're looking into a few, but for sure, um, if there are interesting opportunities out there or, you know, founders or folks or teams that are building cool stuff, please do approach us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. I think AAA is uh, totally on our on our radar, and I'm um, yeah, I'm one a big fan, and two, I think uh, I really want to do an investment in that space, which okay. I haven't done yet, actually, um, not personally nor the fund. So yeah, cool. I wanna I wanna thank you. I mean, uh, some very nice insights, not only about <clears throat> the market where uh, of Israel, but also um, the focus. Uh, area of your fund and and um really happy um that uh that that you're actually focusing on on, on gaming i think uh, there should be more funds uh that have this focus uh, i think that's that's sort of the driver for the industry uh, as i just said i mean you need access in your local territory to create angels that can then push other entrepreneurs gaming entrepreneurs uh, uh to higher grounds and with that, then obviously the bigger investors will, VCs will then actually show up. Um, or at least you have a shot to raise more money. Oh, totally, totally. I can say that a lot of our LPs are those uh, folks who already built and sold big companies. And, you know, for me, I'm privileged to have them because, uh, you know, they bring in not only money, but a lot of value and deal flow. Yeah. And I think it is, an, it is an ecosystem that has to nurture itself. 100% yes, you know. People yeah. that already enjoy the success of games should come back and, you know, one, continue building amazing companies and two, support fueling the new generation. In games, at the end of the day, we're an M&A environment, right? Everybody, all the big ones are buying, the smaller ones are buying, the smaller ones, etc. So at some point, I'm sure that everybody will buy everybody. So uh. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's, it's consolidating. I mean, that's what I'm seeing anyways. I mean... Uh... Uh, and, and, and we might see uh, anything uh, soon anyways happening. But uh, um, no, I, I, I leave it with that. I think it's, it's enough for everyone that is listening. I have uh, the contact details of uh, Ethan on my website, also a link to the site. So you can actually check them out. Um, and I want to thank you for, uh, for hosting uh, together with me this episode. Yeah, highly, highly appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. And thank you so much for the opportunity. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye. So thank you, Ethan. It was really nice to have a chat with you. And what I said on the blog is really true. It's, it's really refreshing to talk to someone that actually has been working with game developers, uh, understands the challenges 
the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think all of that makes his experience and knowledge uh, very interesting to, to get into discussions with him if you're looking for funding. He will definitely understand what you will face in the upcoming periods, how you have to scale, what kind of trouble you might face ahead. But hey, that's where investors know it's a risky business and um, I'm happy Eaton is on the block. So good luck with vgames.vc. Um, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, as said, if you have questions about um, Gaming Malta and Ivan, do uh, send me an email or use the contact form. Uh, don't forget, I also have um, yeah news and insights. Oh, it's Sunday, guys. Um, news and insights, so go through it. If you have news, send it to me. If you have background info about TikTok and President Donald Trump, then let me know. And otherwise, ciao for now. This was all for today. Thanks so much for listening to Game Consultant. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. And remember, do share this podcast with other members of the games industry.